what's up everybody this is me with baby leo here don't forget to like and subscribe in the video below say hi everybody say hi leo say hi thank you for watching guys to tectonic takes i'm actually here with a really 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 special guest <laughs> i'm here with charles from black and azul what's up how you doing thanks for coming um, on I, I this is a blessing for me because i'm a huge fan so what's up oh man I'm, I'm good and thanks so much for having me on uh just a lot of gratitude to to be here today with you and love uh your guys's work and thank you uh, been following and um appreciate everything that that you guys do obviously we're taking a break right now at black and azul uh but you know the 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 team we we talk uh frequently so maybe one day we'll be back maybe not but um i i love what you guys are doing and 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 the other groups and the other podcasts so pleasure to be on and with you to talk about uh, our favorite game <laughs> yeah i i appreciate all those kind words and yeah man the quakes community today is awesome and you guys helped pave the road for that so again without black and azul there's no us so i'm truly grateful for everything you guys have done in the past for the quakes community and just for quakes media in general um but we decided to do a little bit of since i was saving the big guns for the mid-season review um i brought you in now to talk about the earthquakes and and didn't you know i saved you from the season preview so let's get a little mid-season review in are you okay with that absolutely and, yeah. and we're talking about this uh, about 30 minutes before the USA Mexico game. Um, so we're going to go quick, fast, and very to the point. <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's talk about that a little first. Um, Jackson Ewell with the USA men's national team. How do you feel? What do you think? Well, I think there it's two different stories here. Mm. I think with the quakes, he has, all the license in the world to really do whatever yeah um he's a box-to-box -box midfielder that's so athletic that we see play week in week out he can ping balls from the left to the right right connect passes playing other players um and he's almeida's guy in central midfield and when judson is healthy and they can get both of them together yeah. i think the midfield balance which we haven't had the chance to see mm. uh will be there for this for this club for this yeah. side uh for the usa it's it's different because you have so many players that play different styles different systems and the fact that the quakes play uh, such a specific way mm. with Almeida at the helm, um, I think sometimes can can hurt Jackson because yeah. he wants to play the same way with the national team um, and doesn't always get the opportunity to do that with the other players. Yeah. And also, since he's just been called up in the last year and a half, two years and had some time, obviously we've had COVID for the last 15 months or so and yeah. so i think uh him adapting into the u.s profile versus him being so comfortable in the quakes profile mm -hmm. is something that just needs to be noted and it's just something that um I, I think that uh you know while we root for him as quakes fans and and would like to see him succeed and he plays such a big part um it's just something to note when watching the men's national team yeah and you know, it's crazy. Us, us Quakes fans seeing all the hate on Twitter, man. Oh my goodness. They just don't like anybody out of San Jose. Right. So <laughs> that's, that's how the sentiment is. right? 
Well, I think because of the fact that he's not in Europe yet and there's so many European players called in and he plays such a key role in central midfield. I mean, you're a central midfield player right. for the U.S. men's national team. That is a great honor. Yeah. And again, I think the Quakes are easily misunderstood. Um, I think that the Quakes, uh, for people that don't know the Quakes, uh, some of them will will never uh, want to do the work or uh, educate themselves about Matias Almeida or right. about the way that they play or about the way that Jackson has come from uh, from basically a boy to a man in central midfield in that heart of central midfield. And so, um, you know, there will be. Um, folks that, that that do say that because they simply just don't get it and they don't see him week in week out i think yeah. that's really where it comes from yeah um but that shouldn't be an excuse obviously um but that, that's not to say in my, in my previous in your first question there yeah. uh, i think jackson can do it and, and can be an integral piece of of this and yeah. you know i know we've there's a little bit of rumors swirling his his future uh and i think that fans while they would love to have him at the quakes I think maybe the next step is a European side for him um, and maybe a big transfer fee for the Quakes. Yeah, and at the end of the day, if he was in a European club right now, he wouldn't be getting the hate he's getting. And I think that's the root of this kind of MLS hate because Leggett gets the same thing and Leggett scores goals for the U.S. So it's it's every mistake that an MLS player makes on that lineup is magnified because they play in MLS. So I think... Jackson will eventually make that next step along with other quakes like Kate Cowell. Um, it's okay, guys. I mean, they're quakes for life, always going to be quakes and you want to see them excel in the highest possible point in their career. So it's definitely, it's going to be bittersweet, but it's going to be really sweet. So guys um, be ready for it. Uh, Eric Remetti and Jutsen pairing from Charles. You heard it here first, <laughs> but uh, no, definitely it's, this is going to be a fun game coming up. I hope the U S win. And I hope that Jackson Yule does get a, you know, a, a part of this U S men's national team. That's mainly European based um, for next years to come. All right. So the next one, the next kind of question, we're going to go a little, a little more to the quake side of things. Um, this team has more talent than last year on paper. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I do agree. And I agree because um, they've had, they had a long off season, mm. um, but I don't necessarily think that the preseason regimen was um, potentially up to par. And mm. so they had that, the, the, you know, they, they've, they started well and now it's right. in a bit of a slide. They are streaky, but I do think that they are better on paper. I mean, you just look at Chofis Lopez. Yeah. You do see that he has really uh, come into his own in that uh, number 10 position. And it's it's awesome to see that the fact that uh, here's a, a little guy that could playing in that number 10 spot and uh, you can't not root for him. And he's right. scored some absolute bangers yeah. already. And his link up plays decent. Uh I, I know he's been withdrawn a few times and I know you guys talked about that on the last pod. Um, I do also think that he might be able to go 90, yeah. but if he isn't, I think having an energizer bunny to replace him for 15 minutes right underneath is ideal. Um, but I think he's been a great link up play seeing Beeson at the center back spot. Mm. 
solidify that has been uh, not only uh, an important piece for Almeida because he is a left-footed center back, yeah. uh, but he's a he's technically a, a local guy because he went to Stanford, even though he's yeah. from North Carolina. Mm. He did actually play at SF City FC, a, a club that I'm involved in and, and commentate, uh, but he you know, this is a guy that you drafted and he's, 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 he's starting to be in the side. Yeah. Um, I think Marco Lopez is now finally still being able to, to get his, his growth uh, in uh, Remedi is as a cover in central midfield is, is also, is also a good sign. The fact that Kate is getting more minutes mm-hmm. is also uh, important. Um, Abakasis has filled in on that right side, uh, well, and I would say, you know, even though the Quakes didn't start with JT as the goalkeeper last year and they had Vega start, uh, and replaced him just around the mid year, Mm. um, having JT is, even though there has been a little bit of pressure on him and playing out of the back and a mistake here or there, um, and not qualifying for the Olympics, it's almost like a, a fresh new signing at the goalkeeper spot. So you, right. you kind of have to remember that, but on paper, yeah, they are better than they were last year. Mm. Uh, we'll see if the results happen. Uh, it is a streaky team, um, but I do think that the results are coming mm. and that's because uh, Judson, who, I, who in my opinion is a top three player in this team that is the human metronome if you will the the engolo conte yeah, of MLS. Yeah, yeah he he and jackson have had such a formidable partnership mm. it's not just a partnership it's a formidable partnership uh and having having judson sit in and prevent counterattacks, having him really dictate allows actually the quakes to almost play with the back three at times mm. and he sits in front almost as a, another center back and then yeah able to get those outside backs really, really high up the pitch yeah. and then allowing the midfielders to push even higher. So you have even more lines um, for Matias Almeida to work with, which is a very Argentine coaching tree thing from Bielsa handed on down to, yeah. to the way that Matias Almeida coaches. Yeah. And we saw last year, Tommy Thompson almost go to the, like the end line. Right. So we haven't really seen that this year. Um, out of Tommy Thompson, because I think, like you said, they're scared of having to track all the way back and and getting beat on that counterattack like they have before. Um, but yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, I haven't seen the wings or the wing backs or the outside backs push forward as as far as they did last year. And that's that's a nice little tidbit that you brought up there because that's completely true. Tommy Thompson had a couple of assists last year, so and he, he had a great link of play with Espinoza on that um, right side. So definitely, that's something that could be missing. Uh, Eric Mendy's a great player, just possibly not the right fit for this type of organization and system at the time. Um, but I mean, having a player like him off the bench would be great too. So definitely when Jackson is gone or if, if he does unfortunately leave, then we will be, I feel like we'd be okay with Eric Medi Yudsen last game. It would have been okay if it wasn't for an own goal, but um, great start to their partnership as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think with Eric Rometty, you, you, you get kind of a, a ball winning player, but out of once he wins possession back, mm-hmm. what does he do with it after? Right. Um, is he in traffic? Is he going to be dispossessed? And because the Quakes are so used to playing through Judson and yeah. through Jackson Ewell, I think it's just a, a growing phase for the lad. Again, a new signing. He's going to take time 
because Almeida demands so much of his central midfield uh, players, uh, specifically Jackson and Judson, uh, there obviously is going to be the pressure there. It would be interesting to me to see if Almeida were to pick all three of them at some point. Um, That would mean Chofis wouldn't get as much of a chance. Mm. Um, That wouldn't necessarily mean Chofis is benched. You could play him as a winger technically if you had a good outside back to help cover defensively if he doesn't have the pace. Um, But it would be interesting to see if Jackson, Judson, and Eric Rometty were all paired uh, in a three in central midfield. Yeah, and um, I'm starting to be on the camp where maybe I would like to see that uh, as soon as we can. Because if we if we can get a solid lineup with all three of them in there, why not? Um, maybe moving trophies to the wing, like you said. Um, I was thinking about that earlier this week. Like, hey, we haven't tried trophies at the wing yet. Um, pairing him with someone like uh, Marcos Lopez on that side, or I think would be able to cover him. And then, unfortunately, Carlos Fierro would come off the bench, but. Hey, if, if we can find a winning formula and these guys, because of the COVID rules, right, we're allowed a little more subs than usual, we can still get a lot of production out of these guys, even though they have big price tags. And if if they produce what we need them to produce in those 15 minutes at full go, like an Energizer Bunny, like you said, perfect, right? So definitely exciting tactics and lineups that we possibly see at the remaining of the season. And Charles what is the lineup that you want to see? I guess this is one of the questions I had. Is is that the lineup you want to see? Wow. Um, good question. Really good <laughs> question. Uh, as as uh, folks know, who really know me, I'm more of a play-by-play guy and I don't really select um, as much. But I, I think there is something interesting here that we don't get a chance a lot to talk about is Christian Espinosa. He's such a talented player. Definitely. Um, when he doesn't have a good game he's he's also the dp uh of this team you know what do you say what do you do and and so far this year we haven't seen the best out of christian espinosa um i personally would enjoy seeing him just underneath a striker mm. a target striker yeah um and i and i haven't seen it yet i just want to see it for 45 minutes i just i just need to see it because you can have a you can have a Cade or maybe a Wando win a win a win a ball at the the nine the center forward position and they can win second uh, Cristiano Espinosa can win a second ball and be pretty brilliant about it. We've yeah. seen his intelligence. We've seen how brilliant he is on the ball. Yeah. Um. And getting in little spaces again. He's he's not gonna be the the biggest um, magician on the ball potentially, mm. but he does have some good things in his toolkit. So some point I'd love to see Espinosa kind of underneath the striker at some yeah. point. And you could throw out some of these other deserving wingers like Siad Haji, like you guys were talking about on yeah. the last show out there. Yeah. Um, and just to solidify the wings up and down, you can even have Shea right. on, on, on the wing and start there and right. enjoy his, his spot. But as you guys had said on the last uh, pod uh, with Ivan is mm-hmm. I think there will be some tinkering yeah, up there. And I, and I also wouldn't be opposed to having Cade, as a, as a nine and Wando underneath yeah, uh, him a little to. bit. But then again, it's like, where do you put trophies? Yeah. That's, that's the question. That's the mm-hmm. If, if you're gonna, if you're gonna um, make a change to Chofis's position. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe Espinosa 
continues to rotate from the left to the right and maybe just plays a little closer to the striker and maybe you you, you tactically you have your outside back push and, and almost right. play both as an outside back yeah. and a winger because because we need to get Espinosa involved a little bit definitely, more definitely um, that that's that's huge and with Judson Judson obviously has to be restored to the lineup as soon as possible as well yeah. um, for, for for me and and Marco Lopez when he's ready um, in terms of Alanis and and Beeson. Uh, I think it's actually kind of a toss up for me. I love the, 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 um, adventurous side of the Mexican. Uh, I, I love, I love, I love, I love Alanis's, um, uh, and when I mean adventurous, I mean the fact that he takes free kicks, he hits penalty. Yeah. Um, right. he wants to get involved. Um, he, he kind of has a little bit of a different composure than the rest of uh, the team. I think you can see that, um, he, he's always focused. And so, um, uh, I really enjoy him there. Um, I, but, but, but who knows any center back partnership is going to help, but Judson needs to be in because he's going to be in front of that back four, protecting that back four. That's his job. That's what he does. He prevents counterattacks. And then once they win back possession instantly in his feet, and then he turns and he plays the ball out. Right. Um, so what I have to say about with, Alanis until someone gets a penalty and grabs the ball right away, like a Magnus Erickson, where they're the guy they're taking that penalty. I want Alanis out there. Um, if Wando's all, coming off the bench, Alanis needs to be out there to take those pens. And unfortunately, Magnus Erickson was just a G like he would go grab that ball. And no one's touching this penalty from me. And he deserved that. Cause in Sweden, he, he banged in like a whole bunch to get those 29 goals that one season. But again, until someone becomes that, Alanis, in my opinion, even if Tanner Beeson is great, he needs to be out there to be kind of like that adventurous side, like you said. And with Yudsen out there, we could probably see a lineup like that, Charles, like you're saying with uh, maybe Espinoza starts at the left or the right, but in reality, he's playing right underneath Cade. And Cade does a great job with probably stretching out those kind of, you know, center backs with his speed, right? So that could create some space. And we do need that DP on the ball as much as possible. And with the, the power that Espinoza can get behind the ball, we could probably see some golosos if he's in the middle of the field all the time. So again, I love that suggestion. That's a great suggestion. I, I want to see it too, to be honest. And then maybe move trophies off to the side and have the cover. Like you said, right? Like you said, Marcos Lopez. And I have one more thing to say about Marcos Lopez. He always comes back from Peru playing great so expect marcos lopez to bounce back finally because whenever he goes plays with that selection the peru or the national team of peru he always plays i hate to say it guys but in colombo they play a higher level of soccer and he plays teams like argentina like uruguay brazil colombia even and these guys are faster they're quicker and they have some sort of sauce or some flavor to their type of play and and he always comes back knowing how to defend against that. So again, Marcos Lopez is going to come back as a lockdown player. Uh, sorry, Charles, for kind of cutting you off, but I loved what you said. I thought it was great. Perfect. Well, I love what you said. And, <laughs> and, and, and I agree uh, wholeheartedly and, and having a player like Marco Lopez in the side um, only benefits this Quakes team. You want to talk yeah. about the amazing signings or the excellent signings under Matias Almeida? He's yeah. one of them. I know we can, you know, say, hey, you know, we, we can talk about Andy Rios all you want. But then on the flip side, you have Marco Lopez. Right, right, right. <laughs> and this, this is a player that has tremendous upside. This is a player that has international uh, caliber yeah. 
uh, under his belt. This is a player that is hungry. This is a player that also can step in uh, and and always wants to break that first line of pressure um, and, and, and kick on. Um, so that, that's what I see from Marco Lopez, and I love it. Uh, and the fact that uh, he's consistently called up for Peru, which yeah. at the same time is also a, um, not just a, a, a South American footballing side. It is a, a team on the rise in South America as well under uh, Gareca. Yeah. They have been absolutely superb and 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 you know, for fans that love the kit because the kit was such a hit a couple <laughs> years ago at the World Cup for their first World Cup in quite some time. Yeah. Um, here's to hoping that uh, not only are they going to ha- have a decent Copa America, if it happens, right. uh, but also qualification for the World Cup at the same time, and, and that Marco Lopez could be part of that team. Yeah, so I have a little bit personal thing. Um, so here in Japan, uh, Peru's national vote was yesterday, and you can tell the passion in these people. When they would go to vote for their country, they were all rocking their Peruvian national team jerseys. And I was so flabbergasted by this. I was like, wow, like, look at this pride of this country where they're not even in their country, and they're taking the time to put on the, the shirt of La Selección or La Roja and to, to show that, hey, this is a unity to go vote for our country. So that pride and that sort of urgency that the people have translates to the field. And and Marcos Lopez has some sort of just, I guess, out-of-body experience every time he goes to Peru and plays because it, it means a lot to these people. And it means the whole world, just like any club in South America. And, and with that said, Copa America is coming, baby. It hopefully it happens. Charles, what do you think? I know I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about it. What do you feel like this, this Copa America is going to happen? Is it, is it going to be in America? Oh, that would be a great one, right? Well, they're going to need to change it in the next few days because right. it is slated to kick off next Sunday, yeah. uh, a week from today. Uh, so they would need to change it. Obviously with it being scheduled in Brazil, uh, there has been a lot of commentary surrounding yeah. that, right? And we're still in a pandemic. Yeah, especially um, in South America. Places, especially yeah, in South America, yeah. Certain places like the Bay Area and California are doing much better than the rest of yeah. the country slash the rest of the world. Yeah. But Brazil has over 400,000 folks that have passed away, and they're right. saying there may be a third wave. And so um, I've been to Brazil before. I covered the 2014 World Cup. I had the opportunity to go there. I love them as a footballing country and nation. Um, it's, uh, you know, obviously they, they've won more World Cups than 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 any other side. Yeah. The question is, is do you want to go ahead with this tournament in Brazil, knowing that there's uh, potentially a third wave on the way, right. potentially uh, more harm done with COVID? Uh, and I'm not so sure. Uh, with that also out of the way, I love the tournament. Uh, again, it's a, it's a tournament that uh, is an important, uh, not only an important one for the world to see, to showcase, I would say that it's a top top two, top three tournament. Yeah. I would say, you know, World Cup, Euros, and Copa America kind Same. of. Right. But a lot of people do vote the Euros as number one or Copa America number one because you get a little bit more of that focus on right. the specific continent mm. versus even a World Cup. But yeah. Um, uh, the again, I, I you know, go, I remember 2007 uh, Copa America, Raquel May versus Brazil, and and how strong that Brazil team was. Uh, the fact that Argentina have not 
won a Copa America in quite some time and, yeah. and Chile having so many victories in the, in the last uh, five to seven five to seven years. And, and then this last piece, which is really disappointing and somewhat sad, in addition to the COVID is, is you take it away from Colombia and Argentina mm. and you give it to Brazil. If you're an Argentine player, how are you feeling right now? Right, right, right. right. Like if you're Messi, do you, are you texting Neymar saying, hey, buddy, this is, you know, I, I, I'm kind of bummed. Right, you right. guys are taking this from me and my country right, away right. because there's the prestige of playing in front of your home crowd. Mm. The, and and everybody knows the football in Argentina is not just, uh, you know, go into your regular park. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's beautiful in, right. in every sense of the word. The fans are so amazingly passionate. And, and, and so that's kind of where I sit with the Copa America. I can give you favorites, of course, but um, that's kind of where I sit with it right now. And what about you? Yeah. And, and basically with COVID happening, we've seen a lot happen in these last two years that we completely forgot about. Like this would have been Argentina's first major tournament since Diego Maradona's passing away. And this would have meant the world to these fans and the world to everybody that just walks into a bar to watch Copa America and Messi try to win it for them after Maradona happened. We like Maradona jerseys and everything that this, it would have meant to this country. Like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about, man, what could have been and taking that away from Argentina and then just putting it in a country that's probably not better at COVID than Argentina. Just, it's kind of like, what do you, what, you, what like, what's the, again, this is the problem with the Colin bowl. Like, what are you guys doing? So I, at the end of the day, feel like this should go to America. Like they done it already before. And when you're talking about Amer uh, United States, I, I apologize. I've been in Japan so long that they call it America here, but <laughs> in the United States, they're a country where you can, along with England, you can call them next day and have a tournament the next day. So it's, it's, it's something that could be done. And unfortunately the U S have done a great job with COVID and getting people vaccinated that they could still get ticket sales. And who doesn't want to see Neymar, Messi and Suarez and Cavani, all these top caliber players. And of course, Marcos Lopez is in there as well, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, they're going to make sales. And I think taking away the home field advantage, like you said, from Argentina would be, it would not resonate well with most South American soccer fans. Um, but that's kind of my take on it. I also got to, I also wanted to add that Peru in the last Copa America, they beat out my team Uruguay and they reached the semifinals against Brazil with, so this Peru side could do some damage with Marcos Lopez playing that left back position. Um, but all I want to say is uh, Uruguay is going to win, <laughs> but um I, I hope it happens and I would be really, really tempted to go back home if it's in the United States. So um, I I'm excited for it. I definitely, I hope everybody stays safe in South America. Um, but it's, it's, it's almost like carnival. If you've ever experienced it in South America times 50, right? Everybody loves soccer. Like this is super bowl, but for a month, right? So it's just, it's insane. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's making Asado talking about it, you know, it's just, it's, it's a great feeling. I was just down there for, I believe the last Copa America um, with uh, 
in Uruguay, and it, I was in a bar talking to Peruvians, I was talking to Argentinians, I was talking to Brazilians, just anything to talk about soccer. And it's the, it's the best feeling in the world. USA will get there eventually. But if you can experience a Copa America today, definitely you would want to experience it. I, I agree. I, I, uh, I, even though I'm wearing this polo here uh, of the Centenario, right. uh, it was actually given to me, handed to me by a friend who happened to volunteer oh. um, at, at, um, at Levi's uh, for the, I believe the USA uh, Colombia game. Yeah, I was, was there. there right? <laughs> so um, I also think that a lot of folks, unfortunately took the, took the Centenario for granted and yeah. uh, along the lines of your comments, uh, if you get the chance to experience a Copa America, go. Yeah. Uh, if you can. Uh, Just like a World Cup, right? If you get to experience the World Cup, to go to a World Cup, definitely go. But like the Euros, like you said earlier, the Euros and the Copa America, they are able to magnify the smaller countries. So like um, like Iceland in the last Euros or Peru in this last Copa America, these countries possibly, because it's so hard to qualify for the World Cup, right? If they don't make the World Cup, but they can make something happen out of their World Cup, which is the Copa America, it's a great story. It's a great thing to follow as a neutral. This is something you want to watch and be at. Yeah, and um, what's also interesting about it with, with with COVID and everything is I'm not sure folks know there were a couple of World Cup qualifiers for Conan Ball this week, which technically were almost warm-up matches right, for, right. for, a couple for of this, which, it, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I get it. It's COVID. Everything's kind of truncated right now with the international football and club football, it's almost like, well, I think we almost kind of have to pick one. Right. Do we do club football and do it really well? Mm. Or are we doing internationals? Because even for CONCACAF, you're now starting to uh, go into a World Cup qualifying cycle with three right. uh, games in that break, which for some teams that can, can really get the synergies together mm. and build that unity, I think it'll be beneficial. Yeah. But for other uh, national teams that are not used to that, yeah. that's a little strange. And here you have Brazil that kind of labored against Ecuador the right. other day. They did win 2-0, Richarlison scoring in that second half and, and Chi-Chi kind of tinkering with things. Mm. Um, but, you know, imagine you're Ecuador and this is your first game since November and you're right into a World Cup right. qualifier. Yeah. And then you have to play Copa America. It's... Um, you know, it's a little, it's, you, you kind of have to take a step back and breathe and say, you know, should we be playing this right now Yeah. or, or not? I'm not kind of for necessarily or against, but I'm just saying the timelines and the preparations, these are things that as sports fans and reporters, we can talk about, yeah. but do we really know what's going on mentally with these players? Yeah. And I said this at one of the last Black and Azul broadcasts we did last year. Do we really know mentally what's going on? Mm. Um, are their families okay? Are they thinking about their families? Right. Is everything okay in their world mentally? Because we expect them to perform at such a high level, but right. we don't always expect them mentally to be present and on. They may be thinking about something else that's going on. And so there's, again, so much going on in the world politically as well at the same time and with this you know, pandemic. Yeah. And so it's just kind of, you know, let's just, do the numbers together and, 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 you know, put out the facts of what's going on. Some players will reveal more than, than right. other players. So that's kind of how I see it. And some coaches will real will reveal more than others. Like uh, for let's, let's say Matias Almeida. And, you know, in your comment that you, 
just said that we're so accustomed to the players being able to perform at the highest level every single game. I think as American-based fans, we are accustomed to that because of players like LeBron James or players like Tom Brady, where they're just always thinking about the sport and they don't have problems. But in soccer, it's really kind of a different animal because soccer is, I want to say life to them. So it's more, it's, it's more like culturally thinking about the sport, like cause Tom Brady can go home and not think football, but in soccer, you can't really do that. You got kids playing down the street, um, kids playing on the street with no, no shoes. So it's, it's, it's a different kind of animal because soccer really is everywhere. You look in these countries where Tom Brady or LeBron James, they can probably go a day without seeing basketball or football. And so the mental aspect of the players that play every single game in soccer really does have an effect on their outcome on the pitch. And I just thought about that. That's a great thing you brought up because at the end of the day, we're as American fans, so accustomed to these great athletes, just always thinking their sport. Cause they don't, I don't think they really have to live that life every single day. Mental health, mental yeah. health, yeah. mental health. We don't talk enough about it. We don't do enough about it. And we need to, yeah. we need to. And you're starting to see more activation, more empowerment around it. There is no stigma around. I mean, there is a stigma around it, but there is no stigma in being able to talk about things, being able to process things, being able to, see if you're able to go into group therapy or be able to get a therapist or, you know, talk about your feelings. We talk so much about the physical sides, the mental sides are so equally as important, um, especially during a time uh, that we're in right now with COVID, especially during a time where um, black people are being killed disproportionately by by police, yeah. and um, uh, and we have a a, a racial a reckoning, if you if you will, um, a, a chance to talk about race relations in in the country, mm. and so these are things that we need to continue to talk about. We need to continue to put them uh, at the forefront Definitely. of of uh, sport and use sport as a vehicle for social change. And a lot of clubs, a lot of teams, a lot of athletes, staff coaches do that and that's important so mental health yeah and and we're seeing that ripple effect happen right now as we're talking in brazil the head coach of brazil said he's not going to perform in this copa america that's happening in in brazil and as well as casamiro so it's it's definitely what we've saw out of these players in america where they stood up for something that they truly believed in is going into the world now now we're seeing it on an international scale so guys like at the end of the day I know this is a soccer pod, but we have to appreciate greatness. And and these people that like Colin Kaepernick threw everything away for making a change. This is the new type of activist uh, hearsay. So this is what, I mean, I hate to make this comparison, but this is the new generation of these great leaders in, in the forefront of change. Like, that was what it was in the past, like the Martin Luther Kings and the Malcolm X's. This is what it's going to be like in the future with these people that have platforms and, and they're going to put everything on the line to make a difference in life. And again, we do have to appreciate that. And that's rippling into the soccer world now. And it's rippling into the international world. Um, But man, 
this could go on for hours. I love talking about this with you, Charles. Like we talked for an hour before the podcast and I was like, Oh wait, we got to record. We got to do this before the Mexico game. But I want to do one last thing um, to kind of sure. bring it back to the quakes. What's your tectonic take for the rest of this 2021 MLS season? Oh man. Um, my tectonic take would be that the quakes will finish in the fifth position in the Western Conference. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's that's making the playoffs. Yet, yeah, they've yet to start going. I know that Joel and I and Jamin and Alex on the on the Black and Us will have talked about how they compete for six or seven. Uh, I think it's quite clear they they're not probably top three. Mm. You know, but if they're able to string some stuff together again, remember this team is streaky. Yeah. If they can get it together with this group, especially with Kate, especially with yeah. Jackson, who, you know, there's rumors swirling about these lads, right? Right. Then they'll be able to finish in that spot. And, and so um, it comes down to, to getting this first third kind of under their belt, knowing what to expect. Obviously the next three games are going to be, very interesting because yeah. of the fact that Austin, the Austin game is going to be their first game. Yeah. A, yeah. And, and that's a weird one-off. That's almost like a cup final for Austin mm. and for the quakes, they have the chance to be spoiler and they do a good job of being spoiler. Definitely. This quakes side is a very good team at being a spoiler. Yeah. Yeah. LAFC last year. And they, they have the confidence going into LAFC. Because right. the first year of Almeida, they lost handedly a couple times to LAFC yeah, always, at yeah. home and away. And guess what? They got that goal in the 90th minute by Jackson, and they had the wind in their sails. They had confidence. That's what confidence does mm. for a team if you get a result. So every result obviously is important. But if they can get two, three wins in a row together, mm. um, that is going to be key for them. And I do think that they'll finish a little higher uh, than six or seven. So I'm going to say five. That's my tectonic take for you yeah i appreciate that and this has been great i mean i had a blast talking to you today charles let's get you back on soon all right i'm i i really i appreciate you coming on taking the time out of your busy day i know you got a whole bunch of soccer projects we didn't even talk about the roots maybe we we bring you back on and talk about some roots and some other projects that you have but I'm super excited. We got this USA game coming up and uh, it's been a pleasure, Charles. And we, we didn't even talk about UCL. I know you're a Chelsea fan. We got to talk about that too. So definitely next time. Uh, yeah. I appreciate being on and, and I appreciate everything that you guys do. And um, thank you for, for engaging not only with, with me and, and other folks, but really making this community better. Um, and, and I see it and everybody else sees it. Um, so let's, let's move forward, not back. And, um, you know, would love to be on another time, uh, but, uh, also love chatting with you today. So thanks so much. Uh, very grateful, um, sending you a lot of gratitude from San Francisco to Japan. No, I appreciate that. And all I got to say, Charles, we're here for one reason, go quakes. Go quakes. <laughs>